In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up, come to our help. Rise up, 
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the Sunday called Sexagesima is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The hills, the mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign, which will not be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Let your enemies know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are most high over all the The second lesson is written in St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapters 11 and 12. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. What anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. 
Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of what my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Eratos had the city of Damas the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and sl slipped through his hands. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses. You have been angry. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. Glory be to you, o Lord. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock. When it came up, it, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. 
It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. If your work met with the same kind of inconsistent results as the sower in our gospel for today, I think you would have a problem that needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed or you're going to get fired or you're going to go bankrupt or you're going to flunk out of school if your work has the same kind of results. The sower goes out to sow his seed, but most of it doesn't grow. It never matures. Imagine if you had a field or a garden or a lawn that was like that. You, you sow it evenly. A nice even rows, even distribution broadcast evenly across the, the field, but most never even germinates. Then there's so much weeds around the other place that you can't even see the crop or the plants that you intended to plant. All you get, all you get is a few good, rich patches. The thing is, though, if anything like this happened to us, we could fix it fairly easily. Right? If, if you sow seeds on a hard, compacted soil, you, you, you sow your seeds in the driveway, you could either not plant in the driveway or you could till it up and fix it. If you've got a bunch of rocks, you could pick the rocks out of the field and put them in a pile somewhere. If, if you have bugs, you could spray for bugs. If you, if you have weeds, that are choking out the plants, you just spray for weeds. Hoping, of course, that the work that you do is not going to harm the plants or, or do some other harm. You can fix most anything. It, the only thing you can't control, we know, is the weather. But Jesus' parable is not really about plants, but people. It's about the word of God that is implanted within them by hearing. Jesus teaches that the, the labor of the sower, the one sending out this word, the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist, is also met with inconsistent results. It may be spread evenly, but that's where the evenness stops. Some won't even give it a hearing. And it will not be believed, and they will not be saved. Some will believe for a while, and then they won't. They'll fall away. Some have faith that is choked out by competitors for that faith, for their attention and their time and their devotion, and they will not bear fruit. Most will not grow up and bear fruit. And as we hear the parable, we know what he's talking about. We've seen it. Time and time again, we've seen it play out just as he said. Both across, across our whole world, across the history of the church, and even close to home among people that we love and care about. But here we are. People who might, might sometime have planted something and have had some success in that. 
we might ask ourselves, well, why? Or why not? We might be tempted to conclude, well, it seems like there's a problem here that must, that must have a solution. What's the problem, we say? What's the solution? If we can fix it in the field, we can fix it here for sure. Well, when it comes to plant problems, those with a great deal of experience with it, they can, you know this, they can sometimes just, just look at a plant or look at the soil and they can tell what's wrong. You can tell by the way the leaves curl or their color or shape. Whether there's too much water, not enough, whether to detect some kind of disease or note a deficiency. The only one has the right experience for this is our Lord Jesus himself. Alone has the necessary experience and knowledge of the human heart and of his word that is, goes out from his mouth. He knows it. Why do some believe and not others? Why do some fall away? Well, Jesus tells us, these are the problems that Jesus points out. You want to fix it? Here's what you have to deal with. The seed that falls on the path are those who hear. And the devil comes and snatches the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So, you can fix the problem the day that you can destroy the devil. The day that you can disarm his arsenal of weapons and tactics aimed at removing the word of God from your hearts and the faith that is created by that word. As soon as you can do that, problem solved. Next, the seed on the rock are the ones that receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So if we want to fix it, then all we have to do, right, is to take away the times of testing. If people fall away when things get hard, we just make sure that they never have anything hard. Make sure they never have to do something they don't want to do, hear something they don't want to hear, or face anything they don't like. Of course, we know this is impossible. And I think every reasonable person knows that this, does, this helps no one. That this approach would only make faith weaker still. It is only by times of testing that faith grows stronger. Finally, the seed that fell among thorns are those who hear, but as they go, are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So if you have weeds, the solution is to spray something that will eliminate that which would choke out the faith. But what do you spray for? What are you trying to eliminate? It's life's worries, riches, and pleasures. You better hope it's selective. That you can find something, some kind of treatment that will, that will eliminate our worries and our cares, but save the riches and the pleasures. Could we just say 
or the question becomes, can, can, we, can we keep our stuff, our toys, our idols, and just pray for the idolatry? Our obsession and our love of money and stuff? I don't think that Jesus tells this parable for us as a problem for us to fix. There is a problem, and it's not just in some people, these, these types of soil that Jesus describes, it's not as though these are different types of, of people, as if you've got, you've got some good people and you've got bad people. I think that if we are honest, we will see that every single one of us has, each of us has had one of these, probably all of these responses to hearing the word of God. Sometimes it's been snatched away. Sometimes we've grown hot, then cold. And sometimes it has simply been choked out of my life by everything else, much of which is, are good things that we wouldn't want to get rid of. It's a problem, but the problem is me and not a problem that can simply be corrected. If you have ever wondered why it is that some people refuse to, to hear and believe the word of God, often Christians will wonder that. I don't know what they do who don't believe. Why don't they? Why some people fall away from the faith who did once believe and confess? you don't have to look any further than those same attacks on your own soul by the devil himself, by the world and everything that it promises to give, and by your own sinful fallen flesh. And so rather than seeing this, this field of God's sowing, the word of God as it's preached in the world, the inconsistent results of God's word preached, Instead of seeing that as a problem to be solved, let us look to and learn from the sower. To learn first that no matter how much work the sower puts in, no matter how much care and, and work that is done for what is sown, he doesn't make it grow. The power is in the seed. The power is in the word of God. The life is in the seed. We might, by the way, take notice that the seed only grows, it only germinates when it comes into contact with water. But we'll save that wonderful connection to holy baptism for another day. We can plant, we can water, but God gives the growth. And St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Second, what does the sower in our parable do about this problem? He sows. He doesn't stop. 
He does not, he never withholds his word or promise from anyone who will hear. He doesn't cut them off. He doesn't even stop sowing on the driveway. He doesn't cut them off even if they've never listened before or cared before. What that means, and it's a wonderful reminder to us, that means that he will continue to send out his word. He will not stop, even though we have refused to listen in the past, even though we have fallen in the past, he will, not continue, he will continue to send out his word to you, even to you. Three, sometimes seeds grow. And sometimes you can see them grow, sometimes you can't. In fact, I think it's helpful to remember that the growth always begins below the surface. It always built under the ground, away from sight, away from numbers and statistical analysis. So that even when it appears that God's word is doing nothing to you, to someone you love, you have a promise that God does his work through his word, whether you can see it or not. That God's word, as the prophet Isaiah reminded us, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, it does something even if you cannot see it, even if what it does is not what you would choose. And sometimes, often, faith is not destroyed by times of testing but sometimes it grows in spite of it. Trials, persecution, suffering, if faith has roots, these trials only serve to strengthen faith amidst the harshest of storms and preserves and protects it for the storm that is to come. But then finally, sometimes faith flourishes. Sometimes it bears fruit. It persevered by perseverance, produces a whole crop a hundred times what was sown. Sometimes there are, there are these pockets of rich, lavish, abundant growth. There are people, sometimes groups, congregations, families of people who hear the word of God gladly and retain it and keep it, and cherish it, and love it, and hunger, and thirst for it, and can't get enough of it. I've seen it. I've seen it among you. I've preached for those funerals where we could confess the faith. I went to one this week. These pockets, these spots where God's faith takes root and grows abundantly, are models and examples for us. Something for us to aspire to and to comfort us when the harvest does not seem so abundant. The crop failure of the sower is not a problem for us to solve. You can't fix it. Any more than you can turn hard clay or sandy soil into perfect, rich loam. But you aren't dirt. You don't just 
just lie there waiting for the word of God to fall into your furrows. You, you can come in here. You can take up, pick up and read. On your own, you can do nothing. The life does not begin in you. The growth does not begin with you. You can make nothing grow on your own power in yourself or in others. But the word of God implanted in you is living and active. You can't ensure that your faith or the faith of every member of your family will flourish forever. You can't fix everything. But if you have ears, if your children have ears, if your neighbors, your church members, your family, your friends, if they have ears, let them hear and leave the growing to God. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty.
Dear members of St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church, Cody Downing, having been baptized and instructed in the teachings of the Word of God, desires to become a member of this congregation. Dear brother in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ promises to confess before his Father in heaven those who faithfully confess him on earth. You have come before this Christian congregation to declare your faith and to unite with us in Christian love and fellowship. Therefore, lift up your heart to the God of all grace and joyfully answer these questions. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Spirit? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe that the teaching of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as you have learned to know it from Luther's small catechism, is faithful and true to the Word of God? If so, answer, I do. Do you intend to continue steadfast in the true Christian faith, be diligent in the use of God's Word and sacraments, and lead a godly life even to death? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Will you support the work your gracious Lord has given to this congregation with your prayers and the gift God has, gifts God has given you? If so, answer, I will, and I ask God to help me. I will, and I ask God to help me. Upon this, your confession of faith, I acknowledge publicly that you are a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Church and of this congregation. Receive the Lord's Supper and participate with, with us in all the blessings of salvation that our Lord has given to his church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your great goodness in bringing your children to the knowledge of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, and enabling them both with the heart to believe and with the mouth to confess his saving name. Grant that by your word and spirit, they may continue steadfast in the one true faith, in the fellowship of this congregation, as together we await the day when all who have fought the good fight of faith shall receive the crown of righteousness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Please stand for prayer. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In thanksgiving for his tender mercies, and that the Lord of the harvest would implant in us his holy word, that in good and honest hearts we may keep him, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all Christians, that we would be preserved in the pure teaching of his saving word, whereby faith toward God is strengthened, charity increased in us toward all, and his kingdom extended in all the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the health and prosperity of all in authority, especially our president, our governor, and all those who serve in our armed forces, that God would endue them with wisdom to serve and maintain righteousness and hinder and punish wickedness, and that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, 
that God would comfort them with his Holy Spirit to receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of his fatherly will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the Lord of the harvest would preserve us from false and pernicious teachings, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from failure of harvest and famine, from anguish of heart and despair of his mercy, and from an evil death. And that he would show himself at every time to be a very present help in trouble. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who commune, that the Lord of the harvest would grant us worthily to go to his altar in faith, to receive the very body and the true blood that his Son has given for our redemption. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Now to him who is able to and ready to supply all human needs, whose word is planted within our hearts to bear abundant fruit, be all glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord. Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, and we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By his rising from the grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach your table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood, and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Amen. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty. With these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death, and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We give you thanks, Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Thank you.